Uh, we are continuing our, we're in a summer series this, this summer uh, in the book of First Peter. Uh, we generally, as a rule, kind of work through books of the Bible here, and, and we're work, working through the book of First Peter. Last week, if you were here for, for all the fun, um, we looked at some of, the, some of the character traits of a beautiful woman. Uh, what is it, according to the Bible, that actually makes a woman beautiful? Uh, this week, what I was going to do was to follow that up with kind of a big picture look at what are some of the character traits of a godly man? What goes into to making a godly man? Which is why you've got this kind of hodgepodge of, of various scripture verses in your bulletin. Uh, but the more I, I looked at, at 1 Peter 3, verse 7, which is sort of the main verse and the verse we are up to, the more I thought, you know what, there's a, there's a whole sermon in that verse that, that we as men especially uh, need to hear. At least I, I think there's a whole sermon. We're going to find out. Um, uh, obviously, there, are, there are, are many character traits that go into making a godly man. But there's one that I want to focus on that, that I really think seems to be in short supply in our culture. And it's this. A, a godly man knows how to treat a woman. A godly man knows how to treat a woman. Uh, we live in a culture that more and more, I think we all would say, is uh, objectifying women. Uh, C.S. Lewis, 50 years ago, said something that I think is even more uh, relevant today, probably. He said, I think it's from uh, The Four Loves, we use a most unfortunate idiom when we say of a lustful man prowling the streets that he wants a woman. Strictly speaking, a woman is just what he does not want. He wants a pleasure for which a woman happens to be the necessary apparatus. How much he cares about the woman as such may be gauged by his attitude to her five minutes after fruition. One does not keep the carton after one has smoked the cigarettes. You probably don't usually hear the last half of that quote. Um, I want you to, to, to contrast that, uh, or think about that rather, think about the way, think about much of pop music today and then contrast that to, to music of, of days gone by. And I'm not trying to be all leave it to beaver here, uh, like, the, like the 50s was this golden age of morality. But, but you think about how much women are objectified in some of the music today and, and perhaps uh, how music was different in, in days gone by. Uh, there's a song by The Temptations. Um, it's called Treat Her Like a Lady, and C's going to play while I, <laughs> while I sing this. But I, I just want you to listen. <laughs> no, don't. Um, <laughs> I am going to read some of the lyrics. Now, I like opening doors, picking up, yeah, her hanky, yeah, off the floor. Uh, treat her like a lady. and <laughs> Light her cigarette if she smokes. We do have a smoking theme going today. Um, light her cigarette if she smokes. Even help her with her coat. Treat her like a lady. Now, that sounds almost kind of quaint today, right, when, when, when we hear that and, and maybe medically outdated. But, but it's, it's really the, the question we want to ask today. What, what does it look like? How does a godly man treat a woman? How should a, how should a man treat a woman? Uh, and we're going to focus mainly because of the verse on how husbands should treat wives. But I think we're going to make a, we are going to make a little bit of broad application just in terms of how men treat women in general. So 
Uh, that's where we're going. 1 Peter 3, 7. And we're going to read the first verse on this list of verses, and then we're going to skip down and read uh, the next to the last verse, which is Ephesians 5. And those are the only two we're going to read. Uh, this is God's word. 1 Peter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And skip down, second from the bottom, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me pray for us. Father, this is, um, this is your word, and um, we pray for help in understanding it, and, and even more than that, we pray for help in actually uh, believing it and, and living it out in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, how does a godly husband treat his wife? Three things from this text. Uh, a godly husband lives with his wife in an understanding way. Number one. Number two, a godly husband honors his wife. And number three, a godly husband doesn't take advantage of his strength. God, a godly husband lives with his wife in an understanding way. A godly husband honors his wife. And a godly husband doesn't take advantage of his strength. Let's look at the first one of these. A godly husband lives with his wife in an understanding way. Uh, verse seven again. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, literally, this says something along the lines of living together according to knowledge. Well, knowledge of, of what? Uh, probably what's in view here is knowing God's will for how marriage is supposed to work uh, and knowing your wife so that you can actually love her well. In other words, husbands, you need to understand marriage and how marriage works and you need to understand your wife and how she's wired. And what does that mean practically? And this is, we're going to be hopefully very practical today. Uh, what does that mean practically? Uh, husbands, you ought to know what the Bible says about marriage, about what your roles and responsibilities are. Uh, you really ought to meditate on Ephesians 5 and, and ask yourself, what does it look like for me to love my wife as Christ loved the church? Uh, you ought to read a good book on, on marriage from time to time. Sports Center will still be on when you're done. Uh, it's not going anywhere. Uh, but, but, but pick up maybe something like Tim Keller, Tim and Kathy Keller's book, uh, The Meaning of Marriage. Read it. Uh, maybe read it with your wife and then talk about it with each other. Uh, husbands, you ought to know what your wife's goals are, uh, what her desires are, what her fears are. Uh, men, we should know our wives' strengths and weaknesses, know what their strengths are, know what their, uh, also know what their struggles are and, and what their sins are. Not so that you can berate them or, or get on their case about them, but so you can pray with this person who along with you is an heir, pray for this person who along with you is an heir of God's grace. Men, you should know what, what brings your wife joy. You should know what brings your wife comfort. Uh, you should know the right flavor of ice cream to buy when you're in trouble. Um, mint chocolate chip. Uh, you, men, you should, should know your, your wife's 
love language. Now, I, I used to roll my eyes at that book, you know, the, the four lo love languages, and I still do a little bit because I think it's a little bit overdone. It's not like the be-all and end-all. But I, there is truth to that, okay, that, that, that you need to understand how people give and receive love and what actually makes them feel loved. Uh, men, you should know what makes your wife feel loved and, and cherished. Uh, my wife is uh, at her parents' house for a few days helping to, to take care of her dad. And, and, and one of you said to me this past week, you know, you should have her flowers when she gets back. And I said, yeah, but, but, but really what would make her happy is if the house was clean when she got back. And that's, that, that, that would mean much more to her. We've been married 19 years, and it's taken me most of those to, to figure that out. Um, she likes it for some reason that that hand towel in the bathroom by the sink, that it's hung up so it can dry and not just thrown back and wadded up there, which is the quickest way to do it, right? But, but for some reason, it, it makes her happy if it's hung neatly so they can actually dry out. So we have to, to know uh, how to love our wives and what makes them feel loved. Um, we have to know how to love our wives in specific situations. Uh, I've, I've told this story before, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But I love the story that, that Ted Tripp tells, uh, who's an author, about making these plans one day. He spent all day planning about how he was going to take his wife out for dinner. It was just going to be the two of them, and they were going to get away from all the stress they'd been <clears throat> under for so long. And he came home, and it had been a horrible day for his wife, and everything had gone wrong. And even when he walked in, she was in the middle of refereeing a fight between their two sons, and. He kind of busted in. He's like, hey, come on, let's leave this all behind. Forget about it and let's go out to eat. And she said, you know what? Why don't you take the kids out for pizza and I'm going to get a bubble bath and read a book and go to bed early. And he just flew off the handle. It just made him so mad because he had been planning this all day, to, this, this way to love his wife. And he realized at the end of all this that while he had started out with good intentions, at the end of the episode, he really wasn't set on loving his wife. He was set on getting what he wanted. It had become about him. It was all about him and not really about her. Guys, we find ourselves in situations where there's the way you want to show love, and then there's the way that your wife actually needs to be shown love or wants to be shown love. Uh, to, to live with our wives in an understanding way, uh, we need to know what God says about marriage, and we need to know and understand our wives. Uh, and those things require an unhurried study of God's word and an unhurried study of our wives. Uh, there's, a, there's a book out called uh, Date Your Wife, Date Your Wife. And I really think that would probably help a lot of marriages if, if men thought about it in those terms. Uh, if, if we as men treated our wives and pursued our wives in the same way we did before we were married. Because how do guys tend to think about it, right? Well, I got her, and now I can kind of sit back and take it easy. All right, I, I won, I got what I accomplished, and now I'm going to move on to the next thing. Uh, when really we ought to continue to pursue our wives, continue to... To seek them out because that's the way that we know them and know who they are and know how to love them. And so I think we have to ask ourselves as men from time to time, where's my energy really going? Is it really going to knowing and loving my wife? 
Uh, a godly husband lives with his wife in an understanding way. Secondly, a godly husband honors his wife. Uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Showing honor to the woman. What does it mean to, to honor our wives? Well, that's seen in the way we care for our wives. Uh, a, a godly husband realizes that even though he's called to be the leader in the relationship, as we talked about last week, that doesn't mean that he's better at everything than his wife, and so you ought to recognize and value his wife's strengths and abilities. A godly husband honors his wife by listening to her. And I don't mean just listening to the, to the rant long enough so that you can watch the game. Um, you got, anybody remember Sinbad, the comedian? Okay, nobody's going to get this in. That's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. He, he, says, he says, basically, don't, don't argue with your wife when the game's about to come on. Instead, of what you're supposed to do is say, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Game on. All right? You just kind of let her vent, and then you still get to watch the game. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's not honoring your wife. Annie was getting nervous. She thought, I meant that's what you're supposed to do. Um, that, that, that's, that's not honoring your wife. We're called to, to listen to our wives. Uh, we honor our wives by speaking kindly to them and speaking kindly about them. Um, men, how do you speak of your wives when you're with other men? <clears throat> we honor our wives, men, we honor our wives in the way we treat them sexually. Uh, guys, are you learning about sex from pornography or actually from the Bible? How are you pursuing your wife in that way? We honor our wives when we make them a priority in our lives. Husbands, love your golf game as Christ loved the church. Uh, husbands, love your job as Christ loved the church. Now, he doesn't say any of that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Uh, guys, where's your emotional energy going? Is it really going to your wife? Uh, is it going to making a name for yourself at work? Is it going to making a certain amount of money? Or is your emotional energy really going toward loving your wife? Um, you know, there may be a time, men, when you may even have to, to quit a job you love because of the way it's affecting your wife. Uh, again, we're not called to love our jobs as Christ loved the church. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I, I want to say one more thing here, and, and this is really, and this will be kind of fun, I think, and this is about men honoring women more broadly. Uh, the, the Art of Manliness is a website. Some of you may have seen this, uh, and it, it talks about how to be a man, and it's interesting to me how popular it's become, and I think some of that is because um, so few boys growing up have godly men as, as examples for them. And so, like, what does it mean for me to, me, for me to be a man? How does that work? Uh, but this week, they had an article titled the, the Anatomy of Etiquette, How to Be an Old School Gentleman from Head to Toe. Uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to just, just listen and think about a few of these things uh, it, it talks about how men ought to be out to ought to treat a woman, how they ought to honor women. Uh, one, whenever you greet in passing or fall into step 
with a woman you know, your wife included, you tip your hat. In fact, the tip of the hat is a must for all brief exchanges with women, known or unknown. Uh, ordinarily, you don't lift your hat to and among men when no women are present. Uh, it would be awkward to lift your hat and shake hands at the same time. Uh, number two, hop to your feet whenever a woman enters a room where you are sitting and stand on them until she sits or goes. An old school gentleman never sits unless and until all the women in the room are also sitting. And then, unless he is in his own house, he sits only on invitation. Uh, three, give your hand to a woman. Palm up as a kind of rest or ledge for her hand when you help her down from buses, out from cabs, down in the boats, and so on. In these situations, you precede her so that you can be in a position to help, and naturally, you offer your hand first. But as soon as she has regained her balance, let go, hand-holding comes later. Um, number four, it's ladies first, except when, you're going, when, except when you're going first is in form of service to her. And here's what they mean. Thus, when there's a waiter to lead you to a table or an usher to lead you to your seats, you fall back and let her precede you. But when there is no one else to perform the service involved, you go first in order to find the table or the seats. When the path is clear and unobstructed, ladies first. But when there's a mob to be elbowed or a puddle to be forded or a steep step to be navigated, gentlemen first. Uh, number five, hold all doors for her. When the door, whatever type, is in a public or crowded place, though, remember that your duty is to your woman, not the public at large. Follow her through the door. If you exaggerate your etiquette into holding the door for the next woman behind you and the next and the next, your gal will be standing alone and lonely in the lobby crowd. Look behind you as you pass through, of course. You don't want to let the door fly in any face, male or female. Car doors produce special problems, but only if you let them. When you're in the driver's seat and she beside you, you are supposed to get out on your side walk around the car, open her door for her, and then if, she's, if the step is steep or the exit otherwise difficult, offer your hand to help her out. And then last one, hold all chairs for her when she sits and when she rises. Now, I didn't just say the Bible says you got to do all of that, okay? That's, that's not like scripture or something. And, and I know that um, men can go through the motions of these things when in their heart they really don't have much use for women and don't treat them well. Uh, and I know that social customs and ways of honoring women can change. All right, so that's qualify, qualify, qualify. But are, I just want to ask the question, are, men, are women more or less honored because men don't do many of these things anymore? Are women more or less honored because we don't hold the door open. Or, or are they more or less honored? Um, it, it means something, and you may say times have changed, whatever, that's fine. It, it means something. It ought to be demonstrated somehow tangibly, men, in the way that we interact with women. So, wives, talk to your husbands about that. What, what makes you feel honored by your husbands? I mean, you, we need to listen to that. Uh, a godly man honors his wife. He honors all women, really. Uh, and then last thing, a godly, a godly husband doesn't take advantage of his strength. 
Let's read this again. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, what does that mean uh, that when, when Peter says that the woman is the weaker vessel? Uh, it's probably, probably just a reference to the woman's physical strength. Now, I know that we're in a culture that's set on demolishing all distinctions between men and women, as if God messed up somehow when he made differently. And we've got to say we're all exactly the same. Uh, but generally speaking, men are just physically stronger than women. Yes, Serena Williams could probably beat me up. Um, I think I could take Venus there. But, but, but generally speaking, men are physically stronger than women. And men, you shouldn't use that fact that you're physically stronger to try to dominate your wife or intimidate your wife. Uh, it's not okay for you to, to push your wife around uh, or to hit her in any way. In, in fact, the opposite is exactly true. Because you're stronger, you should treat her gently and more gently. You know, I can walk up to David Fisk and like punch him in the side or whatever. Uh, but I, I don't even do it to my wife, okay? She doesn't like that when I do. I, I treat her, in a, it took me a long time to learn that too. Um, you have to treat our wives gently and, and tenderly. Uh, the phrase could also be a reference to the fact that because men are in the position of leadership in the marriage, that there's this, this tendency, uh, there can be this tendency for the husband to abuse this position of leadership, to abuse this position of, of strength. In other words, he would be saying, men don't use the authority that you have in your marriage abusively or even selfishly. Use your strength. Use your position of leadership in order to serve your wife. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, Robertson McQuilkin was the president uh, of Columbia Bible College and Seminary. Uh, he had been married to his wife Muriel for uh, about 30 years when she began to develop symptoms of Alzheimer's. Uh, and as things got worse, uh, McQuilkin writes, I approached the college board of trustees with a need to begin the search for my successor. I told them that when the day came that Muriel needed me full time, she would have me. I hoped that that would, be, would not be necessary until I reached retirement. But at 57, it seemed unlikely that I could hold on to 65. They should begin to make plans. But they intended for me to stay on forever, I guess, and made no move. That's not realistic and probably not very responsible, I thought, though I appreciated the affirmation. So began years of struggle with the question of what should be sacrificed, ministry or caring for my wife? Should I put the kingdom of God first and hate my wife and for the sake of Christ and his kingdom uh, arrange for institutionalization? Trusted lifelong friends, wise and godly, urged me to do this. When the time came, the decision was firm. It took no great calculation. It was a matter of integrity. Had I not promised 42 years before, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. This was no grim duty to which I stoically resigned, however. It was only fair. She had, after all, cared for me for almost four decades, 
with marvelous devotion, now it was my turn. And such a partner she was. If I took care of her for 40 years, I would never be out of her debt. But how could I walk away from the responsibility of a ministry God had blessed so signally during our 22 years at Columbia Bible College and Seminary? Not easily. And then he decides to step down from his position, this powerful position, uh, and, and this is what he said after he decided to step down. I've been startled by the response to the announcement of my resignation. Husbands and wives renew marriage vows. Pastors tell the story to their congregations. Uh, it was a mystery to me until a distinguished oncologist who lives constantly with dying people told me almost all women stand by their men. Very few men stand by their women. A godly man doesn't use his strength for his own good. He doesn't use it uh, against his wife, but he uses it to enable him to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And guys, this is such a big deal to God. He's so concerned with how you treat your wife that it even says to do this so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. I mean, think about it. nothing really spiritually good is accomplished unless we pray. And, and no husband's prayer life is going to be effective if he's not treating his wife in the proper way. Uh, God takes seriously the way we as men treat our wives. Guys, he is in fact saying to you, don't you see how much I loved you? Don't you see how much I loved you? There's one person in your life that I want you to make a special effort to love in the same way that I've loved you. There's one person that I want you to lay down your life for every day, and that's your wife. I want you to lay down your life, your life for your wife because when you do that, you are painting a picture of the gospel. You're telling people, this is what the gospel is like. And you're painting that picture for your children, for family members, for the watching world. You're painting it for your wife. You're painting it for yourself. Jesus loved his bride the way I love my wife. That's the picture we ought to be painting. The way we treat our wives should point everybody around us to Jesus Christ and the way he feels about his church. Wow. Um, guys, why do, we, why do we find this hard to do? Why do we find this hard to do to love our wives in this way? I think fundamentally it comes down to the fact that we still try to find our life in places other than in, in Jesus. Because we're not content with the gospel we're not content with who we are in Christ. We try to find our identity uh, in our jobs. We try to find life in getting our needs met. We try to find joy in getting instead of in giving. Uh, in, in other words, the only way to become this type of man, the only way to become this type of man is is if we've seen Jesus' men laying down his life for us, if we've seen Jesus using his strength 
to serve us. If we really are believing the message of the gospel and resting in that, if Jesus is enough for us, and then we'll be able to love our wives in this way. I want to say one more thing, though. This is one of those convicting sermons, right? Um, there is hope, though, in the midst of all this, for men who have failed miserably at this. And by, by men who have failed miserably at this, I mean all of us men here in this room. Because if we are believers in Jesus Christ, what does it say here? It says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, which means both of you are heirs of the grace of life, heirs of the gospel, heirs of eternal life. And what that means, man, is that there's grace and forgiveness for you at the cross. It also means that there's power for you at the cross as well. And we need to go there if we are to be men who truly love our wives as Christ loved the church. Let me pray for us. Father, I am uh, certainly aware, uh, even in standing up here, of how far I fall uh, short of this. And it is an incredibly humbling thing to think that uh, the way we as men treat our wives is intended to, to paint a picture of the gospel to paint a picture of the way Jesus loved his wife. Father, would you forgive us as men for the many ways we have failed uh, in this? Uh, would you help us truly to find our identity in you? Would you help us to find forgiveness uh, in the shadow of the cross uh, and power in that same cross that we might uh, love our wives as, as Christ has loved us? We ask it in his name. Amen.